Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Hello, everyone. I am Rodney C. Flowers, and welcome to the Inspiring Leadership Series. I want to hand you over to our host, Jonathan Bowman Perps. Thank you very much indeed, Rodney. Now, Rodney, you are an amazing guy. You've done so much in your life. But just um, before we go back in your life story, tell us what you're doing now, the kind of roles you've been doing over the last couple of years. I'm really interested. Yeah, man. So uh, I've been doing a lot, and uh, it includes... First of all, just driving the business forward, inspirational endeavors and the game changer mentality brand, helping people change the game, change their mentality towards their obstacles and challenges that they have in life. And I have a a plethora of products and services and and, and ideas that I share with people around that uh, philosophy. And I'm also a facilitator with Nivel X. I'm in a leadership development uh, program. And part of that program requires you to do a rotation. And so I am on rotation with the Naval X agency uh, with the Navy. And what we do is we help the Navy change its thinking. What we mean by that is we want to change the culture of the Navy. We want to be more innovative and foster creative thinking so that we can come up with new solutions to problems and constraints that we may be facing. We don't just want to accept those things, but think about new innovative ways that we can solve those problems and do what we do quicker, better, faster. And so I'm one of the lead facilitators there and uh, I'm having a ball, man. I'm, I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. It's, it's challenging and, and exciting all at the same time. And it's, it's really helping me hone my skills as a leader. Great. Great. Well, I, I know they'll be very lucky to have you. And particularly, I found you listening to your podcasts and being on it, a hugely motivational guy. And you're interested in other people and what makes them tick and how to motivate them. What was it in your life? Take me right back to when you were first born. Events that happened for you during your life, people mm-hmm. that you uh, helped you grow up, that gave you the values yeah. and the motivation that I find in this amazing man, Rodney C. Flowers today. What was it that happened? Tell us a little bit. Take a bit of time. Wow. Yeah. So go all the way back to when I was born. Yeah, that's a story in and of itself. But, you know, I was uh, I was the only male out of, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11 grandchildren that my grandmother had. Um, and I was the only male until I was about 18. So I was really spoiled by my by my grandmother because I was I was her her, her grandbaby boy. And, uh, you know, I was raised by my grandmother. My mom, my mom had me when I was like 17 years old. And, you know, she, she had some responsibilities that she needed to take care of. And so what that did was, you know, it caused my grandmother to, to raise me. And so uh, part of that journey left me in a lot of isolation. I mean, I was around my cousins and all of that, but because I was the only boy, you know, I didn't spend as much time as I, ha- I would have liked with the girls. The girls was off playing with baby dolls and, you know, they didn't want me playing with baby dolls and things like that. So I spent a lot of time with my grandmother um, and it was, it was really just me and her. But what that did was sort of made me the man of the house. 
And as I was growing up, she taught me a lot of responsibility about uh, being the man of the house and, and helping her take care of things that she needed to do. Um, I was outside, you know, doing a lot of things on the farm. She owned a mini farm and, you know, I was just doing those types of things, getting up early, going out, taking care of the animals, gathering uh, crops and helping her plant crops and take care of her, her stuff. And it was, um, it was one of those things where at the time it seemed unfair because my, my father wasn't, wasn't really in my life. And I was raised by my grandmother and, and, and I had these, you know, times where I can go have fun and do with my cousins and things like that. But then the majority of the time, it was just me and my grandmother. And so there was this sense of isolation that I, that I had growing up. And then I was, there was a lot of work involved. And I started to get a lot of pride in the work that seemed to make me feel better. And, and my grandmother was always good with helping me. You know, that's my, that's my, my baby's uh, grandbaby. And he's smart and all of those things. And she was teaching me how to work hard. And so, you know, I did that until I was about nine, seven, between seven and nine years old. And then I went to live with my mom and my mom got married. And, you know, I met my stepfather, whom at the time I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really care for. And uh, we, we had some, some, some bumps in the road, but not long after that, from nine to, to 15, you know, um, I started loving the game of football. I started working out and I started being more attentive to my body and, and what it would take to you know, be a star uh, in the game of football, to play high school football. I started developing this vision of what uh, an NFL player would look like and how can I accomplish that? And so uh, I, I fell in love with football. I started playing for, for my schools and it became sort of a compass for me. I mean, I, that's why I wanted to do good. Wanted to make good grades and make sure I stayed eligible to, to play ball. And I spent a lot of time in the gym, working out, getting my body prepared, studying the game. And this was because I had this hunger and I really don't know where this come, where this came from. You know, I had an uncle who was a bodybuilder. And so I learned a lot about fitness and, and how to take care of the body, how to grow muscles and things like that by one of my uncles. And uh, he was a professional bodybuilder. And I wanted to have that sense of accomplishment in my life. And so that created some type of drive in me that I didn't realize I had until, you know, later on in life, but I was really focused on football. And then during the, the first game of my sophomore year, you know, I had been playing football for a year or so, a couple of years, and I was in high school and it was the first game of the season. And this year was like a breakout season for me I wanted to really like show the scouts and everyone that you know I was really good and during that first game you know we we kicked the ball off to start the the second half of the game and I had been having a, a really good game and I wanted to make a play I wanted to continue having a good game and we kicked the ball off I ran down the field fast as I could the kick returner caught the ball started heading back into my direction and then boom I hit him he went down and then I went down, but I couldn't get back up. Trainers, my mom and others ran out onto the field and they were yelling, Rodney, get back up, get back up. And I couldn't get back up. My brain was going through the process of getting back up and I could like, like feel myself getting up, but I wasn't actually moving, which is a really scary thing, man. <laughs> 
And, you know, they put me on an ambulance, rushed me to the regional medical center and started doing all kinds of tests. And I remember just like yesterday, I was lying on my back, you know, cutting all my gear off. And my dad, my stepdad was, was standing over top of me in the emergency room while they're cutting this stuff off of me and evaluating me. And he looked at me and I couldn't see what the doctors were doing because my head was strapped down and all I could see was sort of straight up. And he leaned over and he said, can you feel what they're doing to you? And I said, no, what, what are they doing? He said, they're cutting the bottom of your, of your feet. Your feet are bleeding. And at that point, I just knew that my life was, was, was going to be different from here on out. This was severe because I couldn't feel any of that. And tears started rolling. I started bawling. It's just in pain and, and fear, not physical pain, but just emotional, emotional pain and, and fear just took over. And they realized that my injury was, was too severe to treat there at that medical center. So they rushed me to the helicopter, one of those transporting uh, metal vacs, took me to Duke University Medical Center. They evaluated me some more. And the next day, a team of neurologists, they visited my room and told my family and I that I was paralyzed from the neck down. And I had a 92% chance of remaining that way and to prepare for you know, life in this capacity forever. This wow. would be it. There was no, no surgery, no uh, expectation of recovery. I had bruised my spinal cord. And not only did I bruise it, but there was compression and swelling. And that caused even more damage. And they didn't think that there was nothing they can do. I mean, they obviously, they did some things to treat the swelling. But there was nothing they could do to treat the damage. There was nerve damage. And so, you know, we had to accept that. It was a hard pill to swallow. And life continued. You know, we went to therapy and we started working on recovery, getting the, the adaptive equipment and all that stuff that I needed. And... Um, yeah, it was just it was just a tough time. It mm. really was. Mm. And I wasn't pleasant to be around. I was sort of mad at the world. I was mad at God. Like, why did this happen to me? I was upset. I was hurt. And I really couldn't see my way for a while. I really I was I was sort of lost. And mm. then um you know, uh, a couple of years went by and there was a series of emotions, a series of experiences. And I, I talk about these in my book called Get Up. I can't, I will, I did. Here's how it really dictates the journey from that point to where, to where I started walking again. But, you know, I was, I had given up and, um, the thing that turned things around for me was a couple of things. You know, I had a good support group. My family was very spiritual. And I had some folks 
back home that rallied around me. They prayed for me. They believed with me and for me. And God played a, a, a real big role for me. I, 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 I got to a point later where I realized that, you know, it, it's funny how when things happen to you in your life like this, you know, you become more spiritual. You start to develop uh, the spiritual side of you. You start looking for when you have nowhere to go and you can't get what you need from a doctor or medicine or procedure when the only thing that you could do is sort of focus on the, the infinite power. You know, you begin to look in that space and you begin to find some sense of hope. And that's, that's what happened to me. And the turning point was, Jonathan, I'll tell you, um, I just want to pause because my computer's just going off here. That's okay. What was the turning point for you? Yeah, so the turning point was one day I was, uh, I was lying in bed and I was in pain. And again, I wasn't in physical pain. I was in the emotional pain because that vision that I had for myself of playing football and the joy that I got out of playing football and the idea of being an adult and finally getting to be independent and everything that a 15 year old would think about as he's anticipating the next few years of his life approaching adulthood was shattered mm. for me. And that was very painful. And, you know, I remember lying in bed and asking myself, like, why are you in pain? And it was kind of funny because I couldn't feel anything. So I was really being comical with myself. Like you're, you're, you're lying in bed and you're crying and you're hurting, but you can't feel anything physically. And I was in isolation. I felt that no one understood what I was going through. And it took me back to when I was raised by my grandmother. And I just started to go internal. I started to go in. And I started asking myself questions like, well, if you can't feel anything, why are you really hurting? And when I asked that question, the answer was because of what I felt like I was losing was what I wasn't going to get to experience. And the next question was, well, what could you do to make yourself feel better, to ease the pain? And I accepted that, hey, things are going to be different, but what can you do to ease the pain? And the honest answer to myself was, you can have a better attitude we can start there because your attitude is funky, man. You, you are not pleasant to be around. People have to come and help you, take care of you. And you are causing that to be a horrible experience because of your, your attitude. So what if you just change that? And that was not such a horrible experience because that's just adding to the misery. And so I had to be real with myself. And that's what I call authentic, authenticity. It's not being your real self, it's being real with yourself. And so I was real with myself mm. and I asked myself more questions. What else could you do? And I started realizing that you could try, you could have more faith, you can believe, you can, all of those things. And so I kept going, I kept going and I kept being authentic. And I got to the point where I asked myself, what else could you do? And I said, well, I could walk again, potentially, maybe I could, I could try to overcome 
And by overcoming, I could accomplish something. And I don't know, maybe by some slim chance, I walk again. And then I said, okay, well, what would that look like? What would that, how would that make you feel? Would it make you feel better? And I'm like, yeah. As a matter of fact, if I did that, that would be really inspiring. That would change the game. That could be very impactful for people. Matter of fact, that would be bigger than playing football. Like even if I became a star in football, that would not compare to being a person that went through something like this, overcame it. And now that is an example of what's possible for people. Mm -hmm. And that became my vision. It replaced football. It replaced what I felt like I lost. And I held on to that, like that was my picture. And I told myself that I have nothing to lose to go after this. If I pull this off, this is what life will look like. And even if I don't make it, like it was my moonshot, but I was willing to take the moonshot because I said, if I don't make it, it's gonna be better than where I am right now. I don't know what it would look like. I don't know how far I can go. I'm, trying, I'm gonna try to go all the way. But even if I miss, it's going to be better than where I am right now. So why not do that? And that's where the whole, you know, walk or die trying mentality came in. It was like, I'm going to do this or I'm going to die trying. Like I committed and dedicated my life to that because that was like the opportunity that I seen in such a traumatic experience. And I realized that what I thought was causing my pain was really the greatest opportunity of my life. Wow. And, and people can't see, and maybe they're listening on a podcast, Roddy. <clears throat> but today, are you in a wheelchair? Uh, do you have crutches? Or can no. you actually walk? Just, you, yeah, you've, man, I, you've I, achieved just finished, I just finished my workout. I just finished walking half a mile on the elliptical, another half a mile up and down a hill that's right outside my house. Wow. Awesome. Uh, that, that is way more way more inspirational than being an NFL footballer. <laughs> and, right. and, and I really, really admire you for that. I had a, a rather eccentric aunt who had a, an operation that went wrong. It paralyzed her. She was told she'd never walk again. And right. she, she, like you, got a mindset and she got a tricycle. And each day she tried to turn the pedal just an inch or two. Yeah. Day after day, week yeah. after week, month after month until eventually she could turn a full rotation. And eventually she was cycling up and down her driveway and then around the village and never properly walked well because she was a very old lady. But she cycled around and everybody admired her for it. And I have massive admiration, Rodney. So Rodney, thank you for that. Let's go through some uh, other aspects, some quick fire questions, perhaps. The, the, the first ones, apart from that major event when you were paralyzed at age around 15, which was life-changing. What's been a high point of your life and something you learned from it? And what's been another dark moment of your life? And what did you learn from that, which others could learn from you? Just briefly in, in those two cases. Well, the darkest moment of my life was when I was lying out there on the field, broken, mm -hmm. and not knowing what my future was going to be like and realizing that that vision that I had where I wanted to go in life, what I thought was going to happen for me was taken away. And now I'm sort of dealt with this challenge, this obstacle that is seemingly insurmountable. And 
that was the toughest time ever in my life. I've never experienced anything as tough as that. From, and, and, and to think about it is it wasn't tough from a, it was tough from a physical standpoint, but it was more so mental yeah. and spiritual. It was really an emotional, really tough. Um, and at the same time, I got to say, that has been the most inspiring time of my life because by being willing to go through that process, I've learned so much about myself and learned so much about challenges in general and how we as individuals have the ability to approach these challenges with a certain mindset that will allow us to get everything that, that, that is there for us to get from being in a process of trying to overcome something, especially something that is seemingly very difficult and challenging. I've learned that the challenge in and of itself is an opportunity for you to outperform it. We think a lot of times that the challenge is something that's stopping us, it's, it's, it's causing resistance and discomfort in our life. But it's more so an invitation for you to expand beyond your current status quo. It takes a certain mindset to sort of get that, but once you get it, there is no challenge on earth that can approach you and defeat you mentally because your approach is always, who am I in this? What can I do in this? And so when you start taking responsibility for what happens to you in your life, your mentality is more so not what has happened to you, but what happens for you. And when you're thinking about what's happening for you, you start looking at what are the opportunities for me to improve? What are the opportunities for me to expand? What are the, what are the opportunities for me to do differently? And as leaders, we should always look for those opportunities because we're always looking to get to the next level, looking to expand our minds to be bigger and better leaders for purposes of serving, for purposes of contributing, contrib contributing, for purposes of, of, of leading, showing people the way. And so when you can approach a challenge that way, you're sort of taking the lead on, hey, this is how we get through this. And you're putting yourself in that position to gather information about who you are, who you need to be in order to expand beyond what's currently in front of you. Brilliant. And that has been the most liberating thing for me mm. because now I don't feel like something that comes up in my life that's challenging or difficult is going to stop me. I feel like it's here for me to raise my awareness on maybe where I'm falling short, where I can improve, where I can get better. Because once I do those things, then the challenge isn't a challenge anymore. It's something that I've overcome. I've gotten to the next level. I just had to figure it out. And maybe that slowed me down for a little while because, yeah, it exposed my weaknesses. It made me realize I needed to go back, be more humble. I needed to check my attitude. I needed to learn something different. I needed a different approach. I needed to expand my, my awareness. And now when I do that, this challenge doesn't stop me anymore. Mm. I'm beyond it. But I got to be willing to go through that process of discovery and learning in order to expand beyond the obstacle and so the best thing that we can do when there's a challenge that shows up is look beyond it what is the vision beyond it like what are the possibilities here what is this trying to show me instead of how is this stopping me mm. so we need to get you know become inquisitive 
get in a discovery mode whenever the challenge shows up because there's something there that could potentially potentially be the answer to get you beyond it. Lovely. I just so love that and, and a whole attitude towards resilience and overcoming adversity. So from that dark moment of lying out there on the field broken and that dream of being an NFL player, doing all that weight training uh, with your uncle as your aspiration. And here you are now later in life at 42, back yeah. from that time at 15, when you've got a you know, great physique, you're working out, you're doing all this walking. Awesome. Really inspiring. Uh, what's been the happiest, the most uh, proudest moment of your life? And what did you learn from the high points as much as the low points? You know, I just recently had a very proud moment in my life. And I want to tell you about that one. I was, hmm. I had increased my walking from once a week, walking up this hill. There's, there's a hill right outside my house and up and down this hill is about half a mile. And it's huge, it's a huge, you know, steep. Like this, there's, this, 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 is, this hill is very challenging. And I was walking this hill once a week because after I do it, it took a lot for my body to recover. And so now I'm pushing it, I'm pushing the edge. So I wanted to go to three, three times a week walking this, walking this hill. And when I made that decision, Monday came around. I went from walking, instead of walking on Wednesdays, I walked Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So Monday came around right after I made that decision. And it was a long weekend. I was tired. I did my workout. I started on the walk. I didn't feel like going, but I pushed myself. I started walking down the hill, up the hill, and I fell. Had a decision to make. Are you going to keep going or are you going to stop? Because obviously you're not feeling it. This is new. It's different. What are you going to do? But I kept going. Got up. After the fall, I kept going. I started walking up the hill. And it was funny because there was this guy that was coming down the hill. And we meet. And he says, you know, I was going to take the shortcut until I saw you walking up this hill on crutches. And once I seen you, I realized I can't take the shortcut. This guy's out here on crutches walking up this hill. And I said, look, man, there's no shortcuts in life. Whenever you take shortcuts, you shortcut, you shortcut yourself. Wow. And for me, that meant a whole lot. It was a really high moment in my life because I have devoted myself to being an example of what's possible for people. That's what this, you know, I've, I've created from going through this experience and being a person that's going to overcome it. The reason why I do that is because I want to be an example of what's possible for people. Yeah. And so for this guy to see me on this hill, walking it, and to say, I was going to take a shortcut, but now I'm not because I see you're out here. It's hard for you, but you're, you're still doing it. Whenever that possibility for him to take a shortcut in life comes up again, he's going to remember that. And that's a high point for me because I couldn't have been there. And this guy would have took the shortcut and he may have continued to take shortcuts in his life. Yeah. But because I was on the hill, even when I didn't want to be, this guy's not going to take shortcuts anymore. Brilliant. And, and, and for me now, those stories, I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know, you're a, a very inspirational, motivational speaker. But there's no doubt about it. Stories are very powerful and you have a great way of telling stories. I will always remember that. And being on the hill takes me back to when I was in airborne training. And as an officer, when you were training with the men, they'd give the men a rest and they'd send the officers up what they called Heartbreak Hill. And this is your Heartbreak Hill. And, and they would send us up again and again and again. And if you wanted to give up, you could give up. Just jack in leave you'll never get your red berry you'll never get your parachute wings just go and and 
I just so admire you. And I will always remember, walk the hill and don't take the shortcut. So thank you for that. Let's go around the Inspiring Leadership Compass. There's eight elements. I'd just be interested in some tips for the audience uh, from your experience, Rodney, uh, about these eight elements of what makes high-performing leaders and people successful in life and in work. The first one is your moral quotient, MQ. What would you say your top three fundamental moral values that have taken you through this toughest of all challenges almost like your moonshot what, what would be your three values that you'd recommend to others first of all as a leader we got to understand it's not about us that has been the the driving force i do what i do because of the impact that it can have for other people i believe that our lives are purposeful and we're not here just for ourselves although we get to enjoy a lot of things but the thing that you leave behind is the impact that you've had on the life that you've lived, your service, your contributions, the differences that you've made. And so when we wake up every day, we got to realize we're not waking up just to enjoy the pleasures of being an individual in this world. We have a responsibility. Mm -hmm. Like Life has given us a gift. And for me, the question is, what are you going to give back to life during your time here? Mm -hmm. And so your service, your contribution is very important. And I think you should wake up every day understanding why you are here and who you serve, what your contribution is. And every day you give it 120% to bring that forward. That's the first thing. Yeah. The second thing is discipline. You know, discipline has played a very large role in my life. Like if I, if I didn't have discipline, I wouldn't be walking the hill. I wouldn't have walked again. You know, when the, I went to check in with my doctors, you know, I, I, I would keep going back and forth over the years. I mean, you're talking a span of 18 years from the time that I got injured to the time that I started walking independently. And I would go back to the doctors repeatedly say, hey, what about, hey, look, look how well I'm doing now. Can we do surgery? Is there something we can do? And they would say, no over and over and over again until one day they said yes and the reason why they said yes they said look this is what we're going to do this isn't what's going to make you walk again we're just going to ease a symptom that's going to allow you to be more mobile but it's your work that you've been putting in over these years that have allowed you to be as strong as you are that is what is allowing you to be in the position that you are to walk again and so having that discipline is, is very important. And the third thing is being willing to do things that you don't want to do. And this is a continuation of the discipline. A lot of times we want to do things that make us feel good. We don't want to be uncomfortable. As leaders, we have to be uncomfortable. And that really ties back to our contribution and our service. If we're not willing to be uncomfortable, we're not only hurting ourselves, we're hurting those people that could benefit from us going through uncomfortable things and getting to the other side of it. Yeah. And if you're not willing to take that on as a leader, then you have to question who you are as a leader. And so those things for me, those are my models. Yeah. That's, that's what I follow every single day. I, I really love that. And particularly, the discipline, which obviously is a military man for 20 years before business, 
discipline has been fundamental in those days, doing some of the toughest things. But also it serves me now as I'm 60 to keep going in like I did to the gym the other day and to do the yoga each morning um, because it's so easy not to bother or a healthy diet or getting up and walking or whatever it might be. I, I really relate to that. And you've tied together beautifully what I would call element one, element two, what gives your life meaning um, and purpose, PQ, but with your values as well. So you've covered two already, which is great. Let's go on to health quotient, health yeah. and getting your health back, your mental and your physical health. What yeah. tip would you give for mental health to, yeah. that's helped, that's worked for you, but might help others? And one tip for physical health. So for mental health is, you know, I practice a lot of self-care. I do. Um, and what I mean by that is, could you excuse me? Let's pause for one second. Yeah, yeah no problem. Yeah, I've, I've, I've done a lot of practicing self-care. And what I mean by that, you can imagine how mentally straining going through an injury like this at 15 years old is, mm. and then continuing to deal with it, you know, having to go back to school, having to deal with society, go into a work environment, become a leader with what many people call as a disability. You know, I've been labeled as disabled and I'm here trying to accomplish everything that I've accomplished to, to, to defy that, to overcome that. And so it, it has required me to be strong mentally. And the only way that I have been able to be strong mentally is to be kind to myself, to practice a lot of you know, positive self-talk to see myself as someone beyond how society sees me when they see my chair, they see my crutches, to see myself as a contributing member, able to bring about change and impact to people and understand what my purpose is, understand what I have to give and my values and why it's important that I keep going. And so I keep talking to myself in this manner. And because I know that that's my responsibility and my privilege, I'd be good to me. Mm. If society isn't gonna be good to me, I'm gonna be good to me. I'm gonna see me as that individual. Even that's though I'm holding myself accountable at a high level, I'm still good to me and, I, and, I, and I'm kind to myself. And I practice a lot of just you know, meditation giving myself space, allowing myself to feel. You know, I cry when it's time to cry. And I understand that the reasoning and the purpose behind that. And so, you know, there's a time to be tough and aggressive. And then there's a time to, to allow myself to, to feel what it feels like to, to deal with this. And I allow myself to do it. And so yeah. that's what I mean when I say self-care. That's very good. And, and what what tip would you give about clearly working out with weights and things is still an important part of yours? Here's the thing. It? Yeah. So I believe a person should wake up every single day and tackle something that they don't want to do. Okay. You know, I'm a Leo and I, I consider, you know, I take on the characteristics of a lion. That's, <laughs> that's, that's my thing. 
And so I wake up every day and I feel like I need to hunt something and kill it. And for me, that's a 4 a.m. wake up and a 5 a.m. workout start. Wow. That's me being on the hunt and I'm going to kill this workout. And that gets me going every single day. And the reason why I think, you know, the workout and the physical aspects of, you know, taking care of your body, being physically in shape, is so important. And it's important for me in the morning because it gets me going. Like when I can wake up and I can tackle something mm. and I've done tackled my cardio, I've tackled my weight training, I've tackled the heel. I'm in the momentum of tackling things and killing it and hunting it down. And so now, you know, I've, I've already accomplished something by 7 a.m. And some people are just rolling over. Like they're, they're not even like, they're just having that second cup of coffee. But for me, I've, I've already like, I've, I've, I've challenged my body and overcome already in the morning. So now it's for me is what's the next challenge? What's the next thing that I'm going to go and tackle? And That's so that just that starts some momentum going for me every single day. That's brilliant. And, and sleep is also massively important yeah. for the anti-inflammatory lifestyle. Sure. So if you're up at 4 a.m., what time are you going to sleep? Yeah. So to be completely to be completely transparent and vulnerable here and authentic, that is an area that I'm working on because, mm. you know, I, I love my work. I love what I do. And I think it's important. So I don't always get that nighttime rest that I need. Like what, time, what time do you get to bed? five and six hours of sleep. So around 10, 10, 10, 30 is, okay. is, is when so I- So here, here's my tip to you. Why We <laughs> Sleep by Matthew Walker is a very good book. That's my book yeah. for you. And, okay. and the other one is the circadian uh, rhythm, uh, the circadian code. Yeah. Um, circadian code, which I'm listening to at the moment. Because the danger is that with five to six hours sleep, you're setting yourself up for Alzheimer's at 50 or 60 because you're not getting the, um, the cerebral wash of your brain to clear all the beta amyloid, which is a toxic protein, like not cleaning your teeth really, because you've not given it enough sleep. So I, I, however you work it out, please try and get yourself minimum seven hours sleep a night. It will make a fundamental difference to 30% more performance the next day, 30%. And that's worth fighting for. So that's just my, that's my, from one colleague yeah. to another. In, 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 and, and I Thank really respect you. it. And, and, the, and then from a health question to EQ, your yeah. emotional intelligence, what, what one tip would you give that's helped you? Because you've got a lovely way with people, but what's one yeah. tip that's helped you make a, a connection of rapport with people? What, what would be the tip you'd teach others who maybe are a bit bullish and they, they don't read other people and they, they're not aware yeah. of their impact so much? You talk about impact on others, but what, what tip would you give? Mm -hmm. Self-regulation, man. Self-regulation. You know, we constantly are in this uh, fight or flight mode. Sometimes even when we meet people, we're in a place where we find ourselves uncomfortable. We're in that place where we're in an emotional panic. So we don't know what to do. We don't really consciously behave. We, we behave out of, out of react, reaction. You know, it's just, you know, we just do it. And then we go back and we say, oh, if I could do that again this is what I would do this is what I would say blah 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 and a lot of that is we're just not we're just not present we're not in a place of calm where we can think clearly and not react but respond 
intentionally. And so self-regulation has been a, a big emotional um, intelligence lifesaver for me because when I'm able to keep myself in a place of calm, I can think differently. I can think more powerfully and I can behave and, and, and um, sort of uh, respond to things that come up in my life more powerfully because I'm present with it. And this is, this is challenging because a lot of times we, we think we're present, but we're really not. And so I've gotten good at being present because I've spent a lot of time in meditation and, and I've, I've learned how to calm myself. Because a lot of times we get in those places where, you know, we're in a panic. We think the worst thing is going to happen, isn't it? And it, all these questions, what about this? And, da, 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 and the judgments, you know, and it's like, stop, just, just stop all of that and just breathe and put yourself in a, in a, in a place of, of calm and presence. You'll find that when you're in a place of presence, all of those things that you were thinking, it's, it's just, it just doesn't happen. They're just distractions to you thinking properly. Very good. And when you can bring it all back in a place of calm, you can find more powerful ways of being. Yeah. Well, here's, here's one for you. There is an app called Calm. Uh, it's one of my meditation apps. And I always have a 25-minute a power nap. I had one before we came onto this series. Midday, around about one o'clock, I have a power nap. And for the first 10 minutes, I listen to Calm. And they have some lovely voices of uh, actors and various people who do sleep stories for people, which really calms and relaxes them. You should do one of those. You've got the most lovely voice to listen to. Um, My wife and all her friends would love listening to your audio, I'm sure. You've got this just just this honey-like voice, and it's great. Um, So let's go on to the next um, element, CQ, which is cultural intelligence or collective intelligence. Yeah. But but cultural intelligence really is that the base of it is diversity, equality and inclusion, Absolutely. which was Absolutely. never really in many things, many leadership programs, even five years ago. Yeah. But but you've experienced um, uh, from what you've we've talked about before, people have been exclusive or that there's been some racism or whatever it might be. What's your one tip about being more culturally accepting of difference and different people to you? Here's my message to people, all right? And maybe this has something to do with my sports background, okay? But in sports, there's different roles in a game, different positions that have to be filled. And when you have a team that can perform all of those different roles, you have a better shot at winning. If you're not good in one of those roles, then your team is at risk of losing because there's a, there's a weakness. And so I said that to say this, there's different flavors and colors within the team members in this game of life. You have, you know, you know, people from different cultures, different nationalities, blah, 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 blah. You have all of that, but we're all wanting the same thing. We all want happiness. We want peace. We want love. We want to be heard. We want to make a difference. We want to live a good life. We all want the same thing. We all have different approaches and, and ideas about how to get there. And that's okay. That's just different experiences. And we should invite those in because, listen, I don't know what your experience is as a white man, but I'm sure that there's things that you've learned along your journey, on your journey 
that could be beneficial to how I play the game. You don't know mine, but I'm telling you some things right now about what I've learned. And these things may be things that you can take with you and play your game, fulfill your role, make you a better player in this game. And so we have to understand that we can't hold another nationality or a different culture or anything like that. We can't hold it down because when we do that, we are hurting our sins. It's like the team imploding in on itself it's ludicrous we have to lift each other up and we have to learn we have to allow people to express themselves for who they are because it is a wonderful creation by god or the universe or whatever you feel that high power is that has created everything and if it's created it is here for a purpose so allow it to flourish and foster and then talk to it get to know it learn about it, understand it, and find out how it can be not only beneficial for you, but beneficial for everyone. Because I think we all have a story. We all have experience. We all have an expression. We all have a voice. And we're all here for the same thing. So we have to work together collectively to win collectively. If we're going to try to defeat each other and one win, that is an illusion. That's just isn't possible because even if you feel like you win because you've left this experience, this culture, these ideas and philosophies behind, you haven't really won. You just accomplished a certain level without that, but you will never get to understand or experience what it would be like to accomplish with all of that. And that is something that we should work for. I I love that. Really powerful. Thank you, Ronnie. And the next one on round is we've got resilience, then brand, then legacy. Um, Resilience, the whole of your talk and your life experience is one big story of resilience against adversity. So I'll hold that. I'll I'll move on to brand next because we've got some great one. What what have you learned about your own brand, your reputation, your image, your impact? And how do you get 360 feedback? I mean, you're on a course at the moment. So does it include 360 feedback? And what do you encourage people to do by way of getting feedback from others so they're not, they're not deluding themselves yeah. in, a, in an ego chamber? Well, we have to seek it. I mm. think you have to ask tough questions from people that you know and trust and be willing to hear you know, the, 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 the truth. I have mentors in my life and I have other people in my life that I can go to and I say, hey, how am I doing? And we want to be in a constant state of self-evaluation, not self-judgment, but self-evaluation, because you always want to be 10% better than, than where you are. You always want to be striving for more, striving to expand. And the only way you can expand is you, you meet yourself where you are and understand mm-hmm. where you're falling short, what the shortcomings are, and how you can improve. What are the areas of improvement? And seek continuous improvement like you never get to a pinnacle and you stop like always keep the pressure on in my opinion you know yeah a lot of times you know you see some people and they get in these big positions and then they, their egos it's like yeah i'm this and and i'm i'm in this position now it's like i've arrived you never arrive no you never you never arrive like even at the the, the highest position of an organization there's still yet something for you to learn 
another level for you to get to. And that's going to take some level of development and a process that you have to go through that's challenging, that's opening up new ways of thinking and being for you and being willing to you know, put yourself in those situations so that that process can happen. We have to be willing to do that. That's brilliant. And, and you remind me of another guest I had on um, uh, recently. And she said about, you know, raise the ceiling, keep, keep, you know, looking for what people are doing well and encourage them and lift them, but also raise the, raise the floor, be prepared mm. to think, how can I do this even better and even better? What's the areas Absolutely. I can improve? Don't delude yourself that there's no yeah. room to learn and grow. Legacy. What would you like when you, when it comes that you die, what would you like your legacy to have been Rodney Seaflowers? Well, I want to change the mentality of individuals regarding their approach to challenges and obstacles that show up in our lives. I want my legacy to be that we don't look at challenges the same as something that's stopping us or holding us back. We actually invite them in because we know that that's, that's game time. Like this is what we've prepared for. We've built up resilience. And these challenges and obstacles are what's going to make us better. This is the squeeze that we need in order to pull out the juice. That's I, within us. I can see why you're a good motivational speaker. The squeeze we need. I love it. You, you've even got, you've got poetry, man, in the way you speak. I love it. Um, so, so you work a lot with teams. Um, when, when you've been advising people or been in teams which are toxic and you need to make them high-performing, what one tip, because there's many tips, but if you were to give one good tip about turning a team around from it being toxic to being high performing, what tip would you give people? I would say allow voices to be heard. I really would. If the team is toxic, it's probably because we're not allowing our voices to be heard. Mm. I think we have to take a step back and listen and be more inclusive. Because mm -hmm. I think when we're inclusive and we're open to new ideas, from everyone on the team, then people can feel open to speak. They feel trusted. They feel like they are valued. And when you have people feeling that way, they're willing to contribute and express more. And it makes for a more cohesive, well-rounded team. So whenever there's tox toxicity, then we wanna start looking at our people. How are we treating our people? How are they feeling? Is there trust? Are people being heard? Are people open? Do we have a, a, a vehicle to gather ideas and hear those voices among the team? And so that's where we want to step back and make sure we, we have that. Brilliant. Love it. And then um, the last question before we go into your two-minute top tip. Um, your favorite book on leadership or something you've read recently that you'd recommend, you actually um expanded it as always you expand everything rodney mm. to include yeah. two books i think you like um yeah. do you want to just tell us what those two books are and, and in a little nutshell just what's so good about those books what people would get from them well i think cast by isabel wilkerson is a book that we all should read especially now when there's so much chatter about social unrest and diversity and inclusion cast is really about the system the caste system that is present among you know minorities that's the sort of 
put puts them at a disadvantage. And I think people, especially leaders, need to understand that because it allows them to see unconscious biases that we mm-hmm. all may have. And it creates a perspective that you may not have realized that is present for, for minorities yeah. and how it benefits the majority. And you may not even realize how this happens, you know, because we, we're not present to the system. So I think reading that book as a leader, especially someone who's, you know, is really adamant about making sure they have a very diverse and inclusive team or organization needs to be aware of some of these barriers that exist within, you know, teams and organizations and in our society. So I think that's a really good book that yeah. once you read. And the next one is uh, Relentless by Tim Grover, Tim S. Grover. Uh, and Tim really talks about, you know, he, he trained Kobe Bryant and he trained Michael Jordan. And he talks about, you know, how we can be relentless or how to be relentless and how to utilize your dark side to, to overcome limitations, mental and physical limitations. And I think as a leader, we all get to that space where we feel like we've hit the ceiling. And, you know, how do I go beyond this point? How do I get over the edge? How do I get to the peak? How do I take my team to the peak? You know, and so reading that book about how we can go to a space that perhaps we haven't been before in order to accomplish things that seem insurmountable or we haven't accomplished before is, is a good tool to have in your toolbox. Lovely. I love those. And I'll get both. Uh, I'm dyslexic, so I listen to it as audiobooks. So I'll yes. listen to both of those, Relentless and Cast. Yes. Thank you very much. So would you, for the final two minutes, introduce yourself, uh, the kind of work you do, and then share that game changer mentality, which I find so utterly inspirational. So yeah. Rodney, over to you. Absolutely. So my name is Rodney Flowers, best-selling author, keynote speaker and resilience trainer. And I am the creator of the game changer mentality brand. And what that means is, you know, my philosophy is I believe if you're alive, then you are on the field of adversity in the game of life. And so what that means for you is that you are going to face opposition. You're going to face challenges. It's something that we all have in common, whether you're black, white, rich, poor, doesn't matter what nationality you are. We all as human beings are going to face challenges and opposition. So the question is, who are we going to be? What approach are we going to take? towards the challenges and and obstacles that show up. And that's where game changer mentality comes in. Because in my philosophy, I teach you how to have an approach towards challenges and opportunities, I mean, uh, challenges and obstacles, where you see the opportunity. It's not about what the challenge is doing to you. It's more so what it's doing for you and how is this providing an opportunity for you to improve, for you to grow. And the reason why that's important because we all have roles in this life. There's a purpose that you are here. There's something about you that the universe needs, that God God needs, that the people need. And we need you to bring that forward. And perhaps there's challenges and obstacles that's holding you back. Well, I'll show you how to get over that to the next phase so that you can express yourself. And the reason why that's important because you are on our team and we need you to score because when you score, we all score. If you lose, we all lose. And so we're in this thing together. And so I invite you to adopt 
the game changer mentality. Rodney, thank you. I'm on your team, definitely. And I recommend both your book and your whole approach to people who are listening. Thank you very much. For thank you. Inspiring Leadership Series. You really inspired us all. Thank you, Rodney. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you for having me. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.